Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of Repo Nerds. Yes, this is Repo Nerds, the spinoff of the Sexy Witch Podcast, restoring one geek, one restoring nerd cred, one geek at a time. And I am the head entress. And this is not the normal Sexy Witches. This is this is Repo Nerds, which I've been doing for now a couple seasons, and it's more of a traditional review show. Uh, and uh, we've been. This is my third episode this season, so welcome everybody. Um, we're on location tonight. I'm at a secret, secret, not a film shoot, an audio recording session downstairs. They're partying, singing about Bird Christ, and all sorts of crazy stuff. So anyway, we'll talk about that another time because more importantly, we've got to talk about King. One King in particular, that is Stephen King. Yes, tonight is Repo Nerd's honoring the man, the master horror himself, Stephen King, and I couldn't do this alone. On the other side of the line is my Repo Nerds co-host, from, located in Charleston, West Virginia, the writer and lover of Twin Peaks and all things geek. Please welcome to the show, Steve Wadling. How you doing, sir? Well, I'm fine. How are you? How's the recording session going? Uh, loud and off-key, but so far it sounds like it's going okay. That's great. All right, cool. <laughs> so great. So uh, we talked a little bit. You were on our last episode of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, which actually we had a special time Thursday of last week. So people, if you're listening to this we going, did. where is Sexy Witches? Because this is a Tuesday. We did it because I came back from Spain on Thursday. Uh, so have a listen. It was a good episode. I was kind of punch drunk. Steve thought I was mad at him, left early. It was really exciting. Uh, so, <laughs> we had I, a great know, talk, though. I feel like it it, was it, we were. Fun. It was a good. It was fun. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was a good episode. I actually really, and I'm sorry if you thought I had pushed you away. I will always send you off with with proper uh, ado. So don't think I'll ever just cut you off like that. That would never happen. Not intentionally, at least. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I, that was that was me. That was me. I must say that I will take the blame for that because I just thought, well, I guess I should just go now. You know, I don't know why that thought even came in my head. <laughs> I no, I, don't know why. I mean, if you have to go, you know, always <laughs> let me know in the break. But you know. anyway, but I'm glad right. you're here with me, and you pulled yeah. my geek card for this episode. Uh, we were supposed to have a guest of Aaron, my cousin Aaron Kogan supposed to call in. Um, I don't oh, yeah. know where he is. He was going to do a brief review of um, WonderCon for us because he did a preview on the right. previous show and he went to it. He was going to have a quick recap before we got into our topic because he also had some holes in his Stephen King filmography that he had to fill. Uh, hopefully he'll call oh. in. But if you want to call in while we're waiting for him, we got plenty to talk about. Our guest call in is six four six seven one six nine one seven two. Once again, six four six seven one six nine one seven two. The repo nerds are looking forward to your call. Anyway, come <laughs> back to the task at hand. This is uh, Pet Cemetery is getting remade and releases this weekend, and a lot of people were attached to it. Uh, Finally, we've settled down to uh, a a director, writers, and they have the movie out now. Uh, (laughs) I don't necessarily consider myself a Stephen King fan in the sense that I'm not a super fan, but I have read most of his books, and I've seen most of his movies, but there are a few that holes that I had not filled in in the catalog, and one of them, right. as Steve would attest, was probably a pretty big one. Which one would that have been, Steve? That would have been Pet Cemetery. I think so, yeah. I think you're right. I yeah. I know the song. <laughs> I know, I've actually seen, honestly, full disclosure, the last half hour, the at the point that Denise Crosby is coming back to the house, um, I've oh, seen right, it from that right. point on, so I know how it ends. Yeah. But I never actually watched right. it in one setting from beginning to end. And uh, but there was another one in there. I decided to throw in two just for good measure because you know might as well throw the throw it in also because nothing was better than a Stephen King movie in the eighties, so or the early eighties especially. <laughs> so for good measure, I threw in Children of the Corn from nineteen eighty four. I had right. seen some of the sequels but I've never actually seen the original movie. And I do know the actors. They do, um, the guy that plays Malachi and Isaac, they do horror conventions. So, you know, I know who they are, you know, as adults. Never actually seen the movie. Forgot Lemuel Hamilton was in it. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, 84 was a huge year for her, wasn't it? Right. Right. I mean, yeah, that Sarah Connor, come on. Yeah, man. Oh my God. Um. So yeah. So, but but first, since we Aaron Cogan, maybe he'll call in soon. We'll get a recap from him. Let's talk about. Yeah. Let's give a quick recommendation of a Stephen King adaptation that we like, other than Cor- Children okay. of the Corn and Pet Cemetery. So, uh, why don't you go first? Okay, uh, I'm going to go with a very controversial one uh, based on a short story. It was a three-peat of uh, Frank Darabont uh, doing Stephen King adaptations. He had had great success with Shawshank and The Green Mile and um, The Mist. Uh, It's controversial for the ending change and – 
some people loved it and some didn't. It seemed to really split right down the middle, but I fell in love with it. The ending hit me like a gut punch, uh, and it was um, just – I love horror films that have that old Night of the Living Dead trope where everybody has to be in the same location. That can get stale by now, of course, but that it can still be done smart. And it's one of his best short stories, so read the story if you don't want to watch the movie. But I, I still – I'll root for the movie. Yeah, The Mist. The Mist is pretty good. I would say a lot of it has to do with Marsha Gay Harden's, like, terrifying performance in that movie. Oh, I mean, yes. she's really, really holds it together. I, I have hit or miss issues with Aaron Eckhart. I think he's kind of a dick. Um, he's handsome, but or, he's kind uh, of a Thomas dick. Or Thomas Jade, isn't it? Isn't it's it? Thomas what? Jade, right? Thomas, Thomas Jade's cool. I can see. Thomas, Thomas Jade's cool. The Mist. He's up the Mist, right? Eckhart in- yeah, yeah, he's the lead. Is, he's totally the lead. Is there an Eckhart? Oh, okay, okay. All right, never mind then. <laughs> oh, but you know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, right, yeah. Thomas Jade. You're right, maybe I have it wrong. Why did I think it was Aaron Eckhart for some reason? You know well, what? they're both kind of square-jawed. Yeah, no, because yeah, you're right. It is both, totally fucking yeah. Thomas Jade. And, you know, I've seen him in horror conventions, too. You'd think I'd know better. Okay, <laughs> so I should shame being real. And this is a movie I've actually seen. That tells you, like, where I'm going with this. But I will say, there, yeah, there's a lot of shout-outs to Night of the Living Dead in that movie. And, of course, Ray Harryhausen, which is supposed to be a direct. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the creature effects are directly influenced by him. Um, they said that straight out when they were making the movie. So I really do like The Mist a lot. Uh, the ending I'll take or leave it. I actually think it's forecasted, and I don't like things that forecasted and bleak. You know, like really, you're gonna end it this way. Right. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the only thing I only divergence from the book that I didn't like was that his character Thomas Jade, who I thought was Aaron Eckhart, um, has an, <laughs> his character is a little bit seedier than he is actually in the movie. The movie's kind of heroic. In the in the book, he right. actually like sleeps with. Well, at least one of the girls that I remember, uh, you know, that they, they, they hint at that they like each other, but they never cross that line because they're trying to make it nicer. Um, now, Stephen King right. said he liked the ending. He actually thought the ending was awesome. Um, I actually like it because it's a total shout out to Drew Struzan, uh, which uh, they, the, the ending has all these creatures that he would have designed. Uh, so oh, I, I yeah. give a shout out. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of movie poster influence all through mist the book and the movie, uh, especially the movie. So I, I, I like the mist a lot for that. So look for all the poster designer shout outs in, in, in there. So, oh, that's uh, right. I, yeah. So that missed good choice. Good choice. Uh, I, my favorite of, of the Stephen King movies where he had was hands on was silver bullet with Gary Busey. Uh, and Corey, oh, Corey gosh, Feldman. Absolutely freaking love that movie. I, I've loved that movie forever and a day. I still love that movie. And I still think it's one of the most underrated um, werewolf movies out there. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, I, I absolutely think it's still like one of the better. Um, yeah, I don't know how you feel about it, but I've always thought it was like if you want to do a classic '80s horror film. It, it's got it's got everything yeah. you want. It's got T.M. at Walsh in it too, from Twin Peaks, and the people under the stairs is the priest uh, slash 
you know, uh, big bad, you know, werewolf. Yeah, and uh, it's sorry, funny spoilers. to see him as you know, a good well. guy. You know, he's actually not a bad guy in Twin Peaks. He, which made me happy to see him, him but but uh, you know, but you know, yeah. Usually, when you see him in a in a movie, you have to like, oh my god, you better keep an eye on him. <laughs> He's a naughty boy. Yeah, yeah, I know. And well, he was a naughty boy, you know. <laughs> so uh, yeah, David um, Lynch has him the complete opposite in Twin Peaks. <laughs> He's just there at the diner, He's just hanging out. Yeah, I, his wife is a little bit crazy in Twin Peaks. I'm watching Twin Peaks for yes, people who don't is. know for um, <laughs> repo nerds because I have never seen the original Twin Peaks from beginning to end. We have now. So that, yeah, I'm gonna binge the rest of it. I've already watched season one, and I'm in the middle of season two. I am intending to have it done by the end of May. Around the time I go to Crypticon Seattle, because Cheryl Lee, who plays Laura Palmer, is going to be there, um, and uh, that oh, would be cool. kind of a cool, like, kind of a way to do it. And I'm going to make sure I see Fire Walk with me before we go on air as well. So, ah, and guess who's on the line? Uh, Hello, guys. You're here. You're here. What's up? Greetings and salutations. Here. Yay! Oh, thank How you. you doing? Hey. Welcome to not the bad, dark side of the sexy witches. I mean, we're already dark, but this is the real dark side. This is Repo Nerds. We're 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 the dark web of sexy witches. So you have to be. Can I tell you my like one of my that. favorite things I picked up at WonderCon since you've been talking about Twin Peaks? Uh huh. What is it? I'm not making this oh. up. I'm not making. You're gonna swear I'm making this up, but I'm gonna post pictures later. Uh. Young lady there, teacher, artist, um, who did some really cool stuff, did some pinup photography of herself as the log lady with cut-off short oh, wow. in the shape of an owl. And uh, it's it's amazing. I, I bought three postcards. <laughs> okay. I, I, I haven't decided if I, I'm keeping them or they're going to be a Halloween prize for the party. But uh, they're getting framed either way because they're just amazing. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, so I want you to imagine uh, a young, sexy vlog lady with short, short hours. I am. I already am. I know. I, I mean, am. it's burned I into am. my skull already. I mean, you know, rest oh. in peace, vlog lady. Uh, <laughs> I promise what's in your mind now, it, it doesn't do justice to the real thing. I'm sure. So, <laughs> so how was WonderCon, Mr. Kogan? We were talking. We were. This is the perfect time to talk about it for 15 minutes. Do you want to talk yeah. about WonderCon? WonderCon was a blast and a half. Uh, I posted pictures of the cosplay, which uh, I'm sure have been moved over to Sexy Witches by now. Um, I haven't yet done the merchant swag photos, but uh, a lovely time was had by all. Uh, I think probably my high personal highlight was Archer in Space panel, uh, which like every single Archer panel I've ever been to was just madness, chaos, and I don't even know. What the hell did we talk about? Um, I know we made fun of H. John Benjamin doing Arby commercials. I remember that. Uh, they uh, should. Damn. As well they should. Uh, they showed the first episode, which I'm sworn to secrecy about, but... Uh, it's Is kind it of good? damn fun. All right, uh, good, it was. Good, good. It was good. Although, All again, right, good. It, it's it's not quite the pace of the earlier seasons, um, but it it's definitely fun, and they're definitely throughout for the fans. 
when we first see Barry, for example, everybody laughed. Uh, When we first see Pam, everybody laughed. Uh, Cheryl slash Carol is her usual crazy self, but with a twist, which is really kind of fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this new season. Um, I'm looking forward to looking forward to it as well. Yay. (laughs) So, (laughs) so... Before we get into two craziness, I do know the biggest news to come out of WonderCon. WonderCon usually has one or two drop nuggets. The big one is, is yeah. Mark Hamill is going to voice Chucky for the new Chucky right. remake. So right. that Chucky went viral. Yeah, well, he was never involved with this version of Chucky. So, But exactly I honestly right. think I have no issues with Mark Hamill voicing Chucky whatsoever. No, uh, he was their first choice for this phase of Chucky. So, and you know, come yeah. on, he's a fucking Joker. He's the quintessential yeah. Joker. Uh, he's a voice I'll actor. Tell you what, get out of the park. It's gonna be I amazing. I love Brad. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I what? just no, no, I, my my interest. I was just gonna say briefly that I was kind of you know there's been the controversy with Don Mancini feeling like they've stepped on his plans for a television show even though supposedly that's still working out perhaps as sci-fi uh, although we'll see but uh, I'll tell you this much my interest went from zero to quite interested just by the mention of Mark Hamill's name as much as I do love love Brad Dourif. Like, that's just Mark Hamill, as you said, the Joker. I mean, he's iconic as a voice actor. And just in general, it's Mark Hamill, for God's sakes. How could you not want to be interested in that now? So it kind of made me mad because I was a little anti this film. And then I was like, oh, well, now I have to see it. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's how I felt. Playing hardball, they are. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. Then he, I was like, is, oh, I see. Touche. You know, it, it's not just that Mark Hamill is plays things that geeks love, like Luke Skywalker or the oh. the fla- the villain in the Flash, or what. It's that he is one of us. He his bread, yeah. when he when yeah. when he didn't have those gigs in between it, comic books kept him alive. Uh, voice acting kept him alive and and his knowledge is is far beyond ours you know he he is the jedi master you know i would would not fully full-on endorse uh subscribing to comic hq on uh amazon prime because i don't think it's that great a value right now but when i was subscribed to it uh he had a series where he and uh for some reason, a, a, a Muppet bunny uh, would talk uh, about some geeky thing, and then they'd go out and visit uh, a store or a guy's collection. Uh, they went to the Forrest J. Ackerman house once. And, yeah, Mark knows his shit. And, yes, Mark is one of us, I promise. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. So what else, so we love uh, what else did you do or any big news that you oh, can tell us you know, from WonderCon? Hung out with Zachary uh, Levy and Mark Strong, and you know the the cast of Shazam for a little bit. That was, you know, nothing yeah, big, yeah. but no, actually, it was really. <laughs> oh cool. yeah. Um, uh, no as deal. rumored, the Warner Brothers um, signing was for Shazam. That was the one lottery that I won this time. And, Yay! Uh, yeah. You won a lottery. Got, I won awesome. a lottery, and, and sometimes it's hard to, you know, like so we discussed cool. on the last show, they've moved things over now where you get credits 
to spend, depending on how many days you go, determines how many credits you got. And you can't spend all your credits on two things happening at the same time, which is kind of a bummer if you don't get one of them. You really want to do both of them. But, um, yeah, if you really want to do something, you can put all your eggs in one basket, roll the dice, and in this case, the Warner Brothers panel is what I was hoping for the most. Uh, I got to very, very, very briefly uh, talk with the guys from Shazam, um, told them that I was really looking forward to it. Uh, They admired my Shag Star Wars shirt, so we had to talk about Shag for a little bit. But um, I said the, the thing that I was really looking forward to it was the fun aspect of it. And one of the movie reviews had said it's a combination of this, a combination of this, and Goonies. And I said, perfect. That is so the tone you want to set with this, you know, starting the Shazam franchise. And I said, oh, yeah, it's a blast, man. It, it's a, it was fun to do. It's uh, fun to watch. So I'm, I'm, I'm in already. I, I was in yeah. when I saw the trailer that played at San Diego Comic-Con. And I keep telling people there was two <laughs> trailers that played there that, like, got huge buzz. And Shazam was one of them. You know, the other one was uh, was the sneak preview of 1984 Wonder Woman. That that uh, yeah. you know, that, you know. So you know, I was like, yeah, you know, it was good. You know, there was one other film that I thought the trailer I can't think of that was like we know it was a slam dunk, and and so I was mm-hmm. like, don't don't rule out Shazam, people out there listening. Shazam's gonna people be good. People are saying it is as good as. Uh, the the first phase MCU films. And, you know, we're talking like Iron Man and things like that. So, damn, boy, uh, I, I hope it lives up to the hype because right now uh, people are pretty high on Shazam. Well, and I'm glad yeah. to hear that, it, that the buzz is actually catching up with the quality. And that makes me happy because the buzz at first wasn't yeah. so hot for it. And I was like, Guys, give it a shot. <laughs> give it a shot. It's going to be better than Aquaman, I guarantee you. Because Aquaman's trailer was, eh, you know, and Aquaman was, yeah. okay. You know. Aquaman had its moments. Um, yeah, its moments. Yeah, the other but... thing that I was really impressed with this time around, the, the trailer for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, how is that? insane. And I mean, I, yeah. I'm a kaiju fanatic and a Godzilla freak, so I, I, I'm, I'm their core audience. I, I'm They're selling to the converted here. I, I, I grant you that. <laughs> but God damn, it looked good, and it looked beautiful. Um, they, they, one of the guys on the panel made the comment, we're putting the God back in Godzilla. When I was a kid, these things were like deities. That's how we thought of them, you know, these giant, and yeah, yeah, that looks... Titan <laughs> against the Titan. <laughs> so- <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And... Um, for the horror fans, there was something, too, at the same panel um, during the trailers. There was uh, Annabelle Comes Home. So if you're a creepy doll fan, right. yay, you're getting a third Conjuring <laughs> spinoff. Uh, not my right. bag, but whatevs. Uh, not my bag either. It should be, but I'm, I'm not. I uh, think the doll the is cooler than short- the movie. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I was going to say the um, Alien Shirts Films panel oh, was yeah, really was fun. I, uh, it was really cool. Uh, neither of the of the three filmmakers, um, uh, two of whom were sisters, which I thought was kind of interesting, and the other young lady, uh, I think all three of them from Canada. 
uh, for some reason. Uh, the first one, oh gosh, uh, the title was originally The Greenhouse Effect. It takes place in a, a space greenhouse, which she said, man, I wish I hadn't chosen that as my location. Um, but um, all, all the filmmakers talked about how it was, you know, yeah, we got approval for this, you know, and then we had, in the, the case of uh, the one film, Or, which takes place in a mining colony, uh, I think they had six days to get it all done, and the other was three. Uh, and just, you know, all, all the things you hear on the film circuit of people, you know, rushing around to get things, thank God we knew this person over here who could do this. Yes, we wanted to do a practical effect here, but there was no freaking way with the budget, so it was CG, but it still came out okay. And um, I was kind of surprised that none of them were hardcore Aliens fans to start, but um, they definitely grew to have appreciation to it once they got the gig, and it showed in their work. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all the films that they chose uh, when this is all said and done for the, the 40th anniversary. Oh, oh, and they gave us a cool little poster, which uh, I, I ran up to the dais, and I had them sign. <laughs> cool. So are you uh, feeling are you feeling San Diego now that you've done WonderCon? You got that in your blood now, right? You get you're getting ready for it? Yeah. Oh, a full you boat know ride. Full boat ride, and, right? And, and 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 as soon as WonderCon was done, the day after news started coming out about, you know, we're planning this for, for Comic Con. You know, it it's gonna be a big one. Um I, I, we were kind of worried because last year so many had dropped out, and this year uh, Game of Thrones is going to be done. Uh, who knows if there's going to be an Archer panel and things like that, but it's it's looking pretty damn good. I, I think we're going to still have to camp out for Game of Thrones. I think that that's the one panel where in Hall Age that we are going to have to actually have someone sitting in queue for. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to have one at, at Comic-Con, because it's going to start they... up before... I think it's going to be a, a farewell panel, and it's going to be huge, and then they're going to preview the prequel. Well, if they were smart, that's, what, well, that's it's not my just predict. one prequel. As you know, they're, they're talking about something ridiculous like 12 different prequels. Well, uh, but, you know, uh, although... we'll, 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 we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. We've got to get through the first, <laughs> this last season first. Uh, you yeah. know, but, yeah, there's definitely something coming out that's going to be in that universe. So we know that, but I, I actually have a feeling that we're going to, that game of Thrones is going to have a panel. I, I, I mean, Fingers I, crossed. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. And if they didn't, then they're fools. Cause it's going to be the biggest panel in hall age. Cause everyone's going to want to see it. Say goodbye. But we'll still be able to, to boogie the night away with Hodor. So, uh, Oh yeah. yeah he's going to be there. He did announce that he, he's doing a show. He's going to so. DJ. So yep. and I, DJ I, I, again. it's been on my list for a while now, and I haven't done it. So well, I maybe think this we is the year. I was go- I was gonna do it last year, but then I ended up going to Doug Love's movies instead, which has Steve Wandling. That's mm-hmm. um, Doug Love's movies is Doug Benson's uh, podcast. Yeah. With, uh, with Leonard Moulton and Bill Paulson on movies, it's actually pretty good. That's right. So, so. just how high was Leonard Moulton? 
I don't know if he was high. He, he was definitely knowledgeable and drunk, which is always a good combination. So sure. I'm all, I'm drunk and I know things. That's you know he's he's. I just figured curious. Dave would you know puff the pass. Uh, well, no, we're in a bar. I, 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 Bill Paulson was backstage for most of it. He was actually voicing. There's a big eagle emblem on the stage at the American Comedy Store, and uh, mm. he was actually playing that character for most of the show. But I'll tell you, he was pretty fucking funny. <laughs> like someone called him a sign, and he goes, "I am more than a sign. I am a symbol." <laughs> you know, he's, he was really. Oh my cute. god. So, uh, you know, I, 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 I did that one last year, but maybe I'll do uh, – because Hodor was the same night. I think I might do Hodor right. this year. So, of course, I got the – of course, we've got the boat ride and preview night on Wednesday. So, full you boat, know, yo. Full boat. Full boat ride. Full boat ride. I wasn't even – Steve, I wasn't even going to go this year. I told him last year that was good. I did it. I'm happy. And then I got the full boat ride. Right. And I'm like, shit, I have to go. It's San Diego 50. You know, gots to go. And I'm bringing the kids because this is our last year for being free. So I'm going to bring the brat. (laughs) And the evil genius gets to come. So that's going to be, I have to train her. Uh, Hey, it's the 35th anniversary of Ghostbusters. I wonder if they'll do anything for Ghostbusters. I don't know. There is a big fan fest for Ghostbusters coming up. I saw that they're doing one. Um, And it's huge. But I think it's in New York. I think. There's something that's going to be down there. Echo One. I'm trying to remember some fan group thing as well. Eh, we'll have to see as we get closer to it. Uh, again, uh, as in past years, uh, WonderCon kept everything really close to the vest until right before uh, the whole thing with signing up to try and get signings for the various things was real last minute. I don't know if that's how they're going to continue, but. It looks like it for the foreseeable future. And again, Friday, Saturday, sold out. Uh, Sunday seemed pretty damn busy too, but I couldn't find anyone to ask officially. When I did ask officially, you know, hey, how can I get numbers of attendance and everything? Say, oh, God, we're going to be on vacation the (laughs) the week after. Uh, Give us a call like the week after that. So here they are. I was wrong about location. Ghostbusters Fan Fest in June is going to be in Culver City. So that's near you. Hmm. So it's uh the the admission the, the main package is hundred and forty nine dollars, but then there's a special screening that's fifty dollars of both movies. I don't know the whole thing. Hmm. We can go that through that in another sexy witches episode because we actually have more important things to talk about. We gotta talk about the king. The king himself. The king. king. (laughs) So, Steve, why don't you give the synopsis of the first movie I have to review? Hold on, let's give us some music first. Hold on. So, let's say, ha-ha. All right. Give us some Ramones in there. All right. So, let's let's talk about Children of the Corn first and save Pet Cemetery for a second. Because everyone's going to want to know that the most. At least that's the one wherever I say Pet Cemetery, they go, oh. Because I haven't seen it. I'm like, oh. Okay. So, I've now seen seen both of these films. So, so give us an synopsis of Children of the Corn, if you can. 
Okay, uh, briefly, uh, and it has been a minute, so I'm, I won't get specific, but basically, Children of the Corn, too, and, it, and if you haven't seen it, in my opinion, one of the best opening scenes in horror, all these uh, kids in this small town out in the cornfield somewhere, I can't remember, you want to think Kansas because it's corn, but Hoover, I can't it's remember Nebraska. what state it's in. It's Nebraska. Nebraska, there you go. Nebraska. Well, they, they rise up Nebraska. and they kill their... There you go. They rise up, they kill the whole town, parents populace, and they uh, uh, worship um, the Isaac and uh, the Isaac and Malachi. There's kind of power play between them, but it's evil kids in like uh, kind of weird pilgrimy little hats and outfits with little weapons and scythes and, and Linda Hamilton. It's all very kind of... Uh, Oh, gosh, it almost reminds me in the way it's shot of, like, Spielberg's Duel. It has this kind of 70s, even though I know it's, like, 1980. I think it's right on the cusp. But it's just very... It's 84. Uh, very... Oh, is it that late? But it's very yeah. lean and very mean. Yeah, it's very... It's very... Uh, yeah, it's, it's lean and mean and quick. And, you know, just... Uh, you could... This could be told in, like, a 10-page treatment if you put this story down. So they just get had they run out they get there to the town, they discover the town, they have to get out of the town. It's it's pretty uh it's pretty great. It's pretty pretty cool coolly executed I think, but uh I'm more interested in what you thought of it because I've seen it a million times. You said you've seen the sequels. I've actually never seen one of the sequels. I was just thinking of that when you said that, but I, I, I have seen the original a lot. It's just been a long time. But what did you think, more importantly? The fourth one played in the theater I was working at, so I saw part of it, and then I saw another one, but I have no, but the, the big finale was a burning, a burning grain silo, but I, I don't know which one played. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, first of all, I want to give a shout-out to 1980s film stock um, <laughs> when yeah. I talk about the mm-hmm. film, because I actually think it's prettier than it has any right to be. It is the one. I was surprised how beautiful looking this movie was. Uh, you know, like the colors are, are vibrant, and Isaac's eyes are deep blue. Malachi's hair is a beautiful red. The greens and the cornrows, the sky. Uh, I was really surprised at that. Like, uh, and then I look back at '84. '84. Oh my God, the films in '84 all look good. Like, like, boy, do I miss 1980s film stock. There's just something about that era from 1978 till about 80, 86, 87. 87 was the last great year of horror movie. It was a, like, that was a peak, right? That's right. Uh, I agree. I, I, I really, really enjoyed that part of it. I, I will say that. And, and, but, and I will also say I have read Night Shift, so I know the short story very well. And I actually adore Children of the Corn short story a lot. I think it's a really good story. Um, Children of the Corn is interesting. I like the opening. I am a Killer Kids fan. I have no idea why I haven't seen this film before now because uh, I love Killer Kid movies. I love movies where kids die in them. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds terrible, but it's uh, when you do <laughs> things like Taboo and your stories, nobody is safe, yeah. no one's sacred, and I really appreciate that. Uh, what My favorite film like that is called uh, Who Could Kill a Child? It's a Spanish movie. Really fucking good. I highly, highly recommend. If you like this movie, Steve, you'll love Who Can Kill a Child. And it also takes place in Spain. Right. So, you know, I just got back from Spain. So it, it, it's really cool. I'll look it up. Yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, I first forgot, like I said, that Leva Hamilton was even in this. And and um, and, and I want to say, I saw two 
Stephen King films right back to back here. What is up? And I have to say, because it starts out with this one in particular, Peter Horton's character, her boyfriend in the movie. Boy, did I hate him. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Did I hate that guy. I wanted him to die from pretty much frame one. Like, I was like, he's going to live, isn't he? Oh, my God. He's going to live. He's living through this movie. <laughs> this is not fair. At one point, he's such an idiot. He, like, gets away from the bad guy, goes running, and smacks right into a pole and falls down. Like, and, 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 and <laughs> right. like, you idiot. And, and every time Linda Hamilton says something smart or says, you know, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, he's like, and he, I will admit he does it in the book, too. You know, he's like, no, I, I, I'm the man. I know what's right. I can tell you what's going on. And, you know, no, you can't. You have no idea what's going on, dude. Neither does she. Get the fuck out. You know, <laughs> you know, they're not taking He's a the, total disaster. He is a disaster. So a character, you know, uh, Luma Hamilton, I think, is a little, because of this, her character is a little bit restrained because you just want to see her whoop ass. Of course, Sarah Connor isn't, you know, she'll play Sarah Connor the same year, but we haven't seen, I don't know which one came out first. I think this one did um, before, because this came out in April, right? And I think the uh, yeah. the, the other one might have been a summer film. Um, <laughs> you know, because they used to do that. There used to be horror films in April. I don't know if you remember that. Around, around uh, Easter, they used to drop a bunch of them. But they don't do that like they used to. Um, so now it's February. But then again, we, or or March, we get us, you know. So I can't really complain because boy, quantity over quality, right? Um, usually it's not that sure. way. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, I, I actually like this film uh, up to the point of the green of the sparkly glowing glob. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why they went with that effect. I don't know. It's not CG. It looks like it's hand-drawn, maybe video effect, toaster effect. I didn't look up how it was done, but it seems so out of place with the rest of the movie that it kind of took me out from it. And then there's a zombie, and I'm like, okay, there's a zombie. Uh, I know there's a monster, but we don't actually see the monster. I will say the kid that plays Isaac is fantastic. Uh, he's like the best thing yeah. in the movie. Um, he really sells his part. He's he's perfectly malevolent, yet he's completely sensible, unlike Malachi, which is good because it was nice to have the 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 zealot not be the unhinged one, but to be the you know, and then have instead of him pulling the strings of the unhinged one, they actually end up butting heads. And I actually kind of like that they were going that direction with the movie. That really, what yeah, destroys kids aren't aren't these strangers coming in and busting everything? Is that their own? They, they their kids are just turning on each other, right? And that's what's that's destroying this part. group of kids. Yeah, so I did like that a lot. Um, there's a lot of cool concepts that aren't quite followed through. Um, partly that's yeah. because Stephen King flips uh, is actually surprisingly hard to adapt his movies into decent screenplays. <gasps> Oh my God! Did she just say that? Yes, she did. And this is why. This is no slide on Stephen King. Stephen King is one of the best writers of character I've ever read. If you read The Stand, for example, which is is yeah. fantastic for most of the book, like two thirds yeah. to of the book Everything is fantastic. The and even the right. ending, I can I can give some 
some leeway too. But the character, but you really, really know the characters in those books. You know who they are. They know how they think. I, I think it didn't work as well in Gerald's game because you had one character, and you know, being in their head for too long slows down plot in a movie. That's why it's hard to adapt. But, but it's funny because I think Gerald's game actually worked better without the without the character development, unlike the stand which needs the character development, you know, uh, yeah. and I would say that in children of the corn too. I mean, it's a short story that's been expanded, but you really do get to like understand a couple of the characters in that story. Um, there's a pregnant teenager who they just touch on in the movie. I wish they gave her more of a part than Malachi's girlfriend, pregnant girlfriend. Cause it matters a lot in the end of the book. Also, um, I, I would like to see, the, it, it, you know, there's not enough, you know, so short stories, let me walk this back. Short stories work better for Stephen King adaptations than the movies, the books, his full novels do, because he really concentrates on character in his full novels while his short stories are plot. And, and I think that's why Children of the Corn, it works better than Pet Cemetery, which I didn't like as much. <laughs> oh, no. Did she say that, too? I did. <laughs> but I going so I had to I got confused in my own brain there. Um but anyway, so I really think it it for the most part it works. I think the ending's a little cheese ball on on Children of the Corn uh, cuz they went for the positive happy ending. I guess they kind of had to. You know, uh you know, the book it does not end that way at all. Um right. <laughs> it ends quite depressingly actually cool it's a very sad ending in a weird way you know i'm not going to spoil the book because i think night shift is such good book in many ways it's one of the first real good short stories i ever collections i read as a kid um so that leads us to pet cemetery now aaron kogan have you seen Children of the Corn before, before we move on. I have not seen Children of the Corn, no. Ah, you should see that movie. You'd probably actually like it. I'm, I'm wonder if Natalie's seen yeah. it. She, she, Natalie's a teacher, Steve, her, his significant other, <laughs> and she loves horror films. Right? And horror films will kill her kids yeah. right up her alley. So. <laughs> Very cool. Well, actually, her, her, her true passion is for the bodice ripper and, you know, the hammer horror. That, that is her, her right. true love. Uh, a little bit universal as well, but uh, yeah, I'm slowly starting to become a convert to the cult of horror. I'm, I'm scary but true. <laughs> well, I mean, and one I, thing I'm I have to say about the stand, I, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about the stand at all later tonight, but uh, I have read it, I have seen it. I'm kind of almost sort of looking forward to the remake. We'll see what happens of it, but um, I firmly believe that. While Stephen King has many great attributes as a writer, the man can't write an ending to save his goddamn life. The well, stand ends, and spoiler alert, because I'm going to tell you right now, the stand ends with a literal deus ex machina. I mean, literally, the hand of God comes down. Good yeah, Lord. Right. Uh, you know, that, I, I agree. And then you have another whole like what two chapters of him getting home um that yeah. really don't add anything to the story no. at all no. um you know which is so bizarre but yeah no uh you know and then what and then the the mini series with Gary Sinise made it worse 
because then they yep. took it and made it a magical. I hate to use this phrase, but it's true. The magical Negro trope, right? And, and which yep. in the in oh, the yeah. book, Stephen King is so careful to make sure that doesn't happen to that character. Matter of fact, he goes out of his way to have ca- that character have flaws, and and actually, and doesn't Mother end Jessica? well for that character in the book. Yeah, in what the book, there's uh, what was her name? I have to look up the stand now because I was I was going to oh. talk about it a little bit because my music choice for the outro is related to the stand tonight. Actually, oh okay. Um, oh, well, so, well, that reminds me. That reminds me. Uh, are we? Is is now a good time for you to drop a, a hint or two about? The madness, or is that coming? Oh, it's all related to what we're talking to right now, so I will soon. Yeah, no, no, it's all related, Uh all of it. Uh huh. Yeah, no, we're talking about the madness right now, and you don't even know it. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, no. Dun dun dun. That's what my daughter would do. Dun dun dun. (laughs) What is the name of her character? But you know what I'm talking about. There's the one, and and so. Yeah, and she's like floating over babies and going kichi at the end of the movie, and it's like, oh Ugh. my god, did I just see that? Oh, uh, you yeah. know, it's just so to take a character that was interesting and just, you know, and also they did a disservice to the devil himself in the story because there's a lot <laughs> of really cool dynamics that we lost, um, and you know, including like there's a whole scene where where uh, uh, what's her name? It's played by. Uh, the chick, uh, the the brunette from Pretty Woman, she plays the 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 girlfriend right, of the right. devil. And just yeah, me. yeah, and yeah, just shoot I love me. Her. What's her name? Uh, she, um, Laura San Giacomo. Yes, thank you. In the book, oh, yeah, she, yeah. Uh, in the book, she convinces him to throw her off the ledge. In the TV yep. series, she jumps. There's a big difference between those two acts. Yeah. Um, and matter of fact, the, it, it, in the book, it's significant because it rocks him that she actually takes this step when he never saw it coming. Like, you know, that he aggra- she aggravates him so much that he, she throw, he throws her off the ridge, you know. Mm-hmm. And, then the, yeah. and then the other girl kills herself. The, the, the mole does. And that surprises them, too. And they took right. that. They, they messed with that. And I know it's a small thing, but it changed the the whole dynamic of that character of Victor Flag. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I, I so I, I have a lot of issues with with Stephen King adaptations, but I really should talk about Pet Cemetery. We got about fifteen minutes left. So okay, but before we about, do, yeah, go for it. Before we do, we got we got a little Mother padding in Abigail there. Abigail Fremantle. Oh, that's her name, Mother, Mother Abigail. Abigail yeah, yeah. That's right. And oh, old. and. And one other thing that I also annoyed me about the TV series, <laughs> so I am, and I do think there's room for a good adaptation of The Stand in there, yeah. um, is that in The Stand, the dog that survives is an Irish setter, and they changed it to a golden retriever in the Finney series, and I was insulted by that. I was like, not the same, not the same, you know, uh, Irish setters that, are that's awesome. the hill you're planting your flag on, huh? Yes, I am serious. Irish setter, it's okay. A- no, no, I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. It was important to the story, and I, you know, I, 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 I anyway, hope they fix that because I didn't like it. it. Was a Goldie? I mean, Goldie is a too obvious American <laughs> choice. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, speaking of dead animals, see, look how, yeah. see how I did, it? see how I did that. Okay, that so, good. Uh, I like that. yeah, we're, let's talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about Pet Cemetery from 1988. 
directed by Mary Lambert, who is one of the Masters of Horror. She's actually a frequent attender of the Masters of Horror Dinner, um, hosted by Mick Garris in L.A. Uh, it's a biannual, or it used to be a monthly dinner, but I think it's a biannual dinner now. Uh, and they do special mm-hmm. ones for uh, passings of people. They did a huge one when Wes Craven passed, because he was one of the Masters of Horror. Um, and uh, you can go... It's hard to find stuff, but look for Mick Harris or Fred Decker, the director. He's also a master of horror. He's a director of Night of the of was it uh, Night of the was the one with the with the slugs? Night of the Creeps. Uh, Monst- the Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad. Squad. Yeah, he's one of he's also a master of horror. Oh, thank you guys. Um, and so um, so he he has photos of the most recent dinner. So if you want to see what who was there, you should really have a look at that. <clears throat> Hint. Uh, so, uh, you, know, uh-huh. you see how I'm working that in? Uh-huh, uh-huh. By the way, yeah. Wink, wink, hip. Okay. So Mary Lambert directed this one, and she also directed the Eddie Furlong sequel, which she actually says is a better movie than people give it credit for. Um, it is. I was... <laughs> I have mixed feelings about the original Pet Cemetery. I think it's one of those films that's a lot more conceptually interesting than actual execution. Uh, I, I think that a lot of people are going to be like, oh, it's super scary. Yeah, there's some scary moments. The cat's totally awesome. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and little and little Cage is, is, Gage is iconic, right? The little top hat with the cane yeah. and the scalpel. And, you know, I've seen all that before. Uh, but it doesn't, it's weird. For 103 minutes, I feel like the whole film feels rather rushed to me. Like, they're got, we got to get through this. 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 You know, it felt like that all the, the way opening, through the, the movie. The opening drags like a motherfucker. Well, sort of. It, <laughs> it, it should, it, it, for, for dragging, it had a very little character development, which, once again, surprised me because Stephen yep. King writes character better than anyone. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, so I was well, like, I okay, think, uh, go ahead. I just, uh, I think that um, when you say that, do, do you, I, I was thinking like a connect the dots kind of feeling, like okay, we just got to get through this plot point to get to this plot point because I feel like yeah. if that's what you're saying, I will totally, I totally agree with you on that. And there is no yeah. character development whatsoever in the film. And Dale Midkiff is a is really bad when I go back and revisit it as an adult. Hmm. Um, I always felt like like I feel like he's by far the weakest link in that that uh, chain. What the, the 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 husband. The dad, yeah, Lewis. Yeah, yeah he's terrible. He's Once bad. again, I think he's bad. like, like yeah. I said, both yeah. of these. First of all, most of these, both of these, they're they're Stephen King's typical doc. They're both the same character. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, so <laughs> I so I will give a pass a little bit on the lack of character, but boy, does he write assholes. Like his, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, Stephen King can write an asshole dad. It's just like and and this and there is and this is his screenplay. He actually wrote the screenplay to right. Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. So so it once again it feels a little rushed. But you know I think that actually when he's hands on, a lot of his films feel rushed because I feel the same way about his movie Sleepwalkers, which I have a very fond affection for, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, but that movie feels like That's it's rushing. Cool. It's like going and, and yeah. Maximum Overdrive also feels like it's rushing. Got to go through it. Got to get through it. Got to get through it. Got to get through right, it. You know. Right. And so I felt like well, that through this movie. It's like, come on, we got to get to the dead kid. We got to get to the dead kid. We got to get to the dead kid. 
You know, that's kind of yeah. how the movie fails to me. Maximum you know? Overdrive, I can forgive that kind of rush because it's setting a pace that's, you know, moving yeah, along and, for horror action. For well, this, year, I, I mean, it, once we get through Thanks. the interminable credits where nothing happens, but I mean, are you going to really open your movie with six minutes of crawling through brush and everything, and, and yes, a shot of the Pet Cemetery sign and it's misspelled and blah, 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 for five or six minutes, and then open with a, a rushing roar truck? That's subtle. Come on. I, I, you never see question, any other vehicles on that road. Yeah, my question is, is that if he bought this house and and there's so many trucks there, and he's didn't he look at this house and have these trucks go through and go, oh my god, I have a toddler. There's no fence. Oh yeah, yeah, and you, I mean, really, there's also no really. There's, there's also in this scene, there's a huge problem in that scene I've always felt with Gage getting hit by by the truck driver where he actually dies. There's just such a spatial impossibility, I feel like, in the space between where their table is. It's way back near the lake, which I always think it's also – they live right on this beautiful lake, but you never see them – go out near the lake the entire film but when they pull into the house they live on this beautiful lake but they're never anywhere near it they always go to this old tire swing or down this dirt path or like they have nowhere to play but they live right on this beautiful lake there's just there's so much about the film that i think uh like and i know that behind the scenes that uh it was only greenlit because the writer the wga strike was going on and screenplay was ready to go so i feel like there was some things that were overlooked but as a kid it did scare the living daylights of me out of me and i was obsessed with it but uh looking back now it feels like uh kind of like it tells from the crypt episode when i watch it now you know i I love i love dead kid movies once again and gage is iconic i love him to death and as a as an actor goes you know, he was only three when he did that part, and you know, and he's actually got dialect right. again. So I, I give I give Gage, the kid that played Gage, a lot of credit for for his performance. I think, but the rest of the performances, and I'm putting Judd in this too. I think are wooden, and they felt like they felt like you know how when Twin Peaks deliberately ratchets everything up, especially with Ray yeah. Wise's character. I felt like that's right. the kind of yeah. acting I was watching in this movie, and this is a couple years before Twin Peaks. Like, there's that whole scene right. over over the dead body, and and Dad and him are punching each other, even though you want to punch that guy anyways. And then the, the <laughs> casket falls, and the hand pops out, and all this, and it was like not necessary to the plot. Come on, guys. I don't know if it's yeah. in the book or not. Or that this is actually one of the well, few books so I haven't much. read, but. But, you know, uh, there was also – go ahead, go ahead. You first. Oh, no, I was just – that's another one speaking of – now, the book – now, the thing is is that a lot of that is in the book, and a lot of the, the – and that's an, it's a good example of uh, Stephen King. You were just saying his unadaptability with his uh, full-length novels because that book, um, it's often cited as his scariest. I, I had to sneak and read it when I was 11 or 12, and I, I would uh, pull it out at night after bed and read it, and it scared me to death. And, and uh, 
it works in the book, the stuff like that and the melodrama and, but there's also so much more character, you know, like these people have flaws in the book, but then Dale Midkiff just shows up and he's just this aloof doctor who lets his son, you know, get, it's just weird. It just, it just, there is nothing there. I feel like with and, the way and, they and wrote it's not even characters. the actor's fault. None of the, cause first yeah, of all, Denise Crosby script. is completely serviceable actor. Uh, the guy who plays uh, Judd is, is iconic. You know, he's Herman yeah. Munster, you know, he's done so many Break other things. Yeah. He's what's for dinner. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, he, I always think of him of that, you know, he, he, he's been around forever. He's got the kind of voice you want in a horror film and the old man who tells yeah. the tale. He is exactly that character. And I really appreciate it though. And like I said, they didn't give him enough to do. I mean, he just kind of stands around no. and like looks worried the whole time. And, uh, and I'm sure there's more to him in the book and, and, and same with, the Pascal ghost, which I thought was the most interesting part of the story, is that there's this whole oh, ghost ghost beeline that's actually about because the whole okay I get what Stephen King's trying to do. He was he based this book on an incident that really happened to his son. He almost lost his son to a car uh, wreck outside his house in Maine. Uh, a, a truck came barreling down, and, and his ver- his real life story, the kid was saved at the last minute. Uh, but you know, and and so he wrote. So he says that this book scares him more than all the other books. Matter of fact, when he wrote it, he was so upset by the book that he actually refused to initially publish it, and uh, his wife had to convince him to do it. Uh, so, and his wife is a very smart woman too, uh, writer and editor in her own right. Um, so uh, you know, so he did it, and he released it, and it ended up being one of his most successful books. So it's very personal to him, and uh, I know that the movie is personal to him, but honestly, I found it a little jarring when I saw him in the movie. It kind of took me out of it completely. Not like, uh, oh, you know, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think he's a particularly good actor. I give him a pass for the creep no. show because I really like the growing moss thing on creep show, and I, so I kind of give him a pass on that. Uh, but he's not a particularly good actor, and I don't think he should ever be in any of his movies. He's not a Stanley cameo kind of guy. Uh, so he, he threw me off in the, in the funeral scene. The girl was just annoying. Um, uh, and I actually don't think any of that's the, their fault. I think that's squarely direction. Like they're, they're being directed to behave this way in the, in the show right. movie. Um, cause, you know, cause, and so Mary Lambert is a master of horror. And I think when it came to the atmosphere of the film, uh, the, the, the actual sets and design are very cool. I like, I read how they did the final burning sequence. You want, you want to hear how they did it? It was really cool. Yeah. You know, they burned, they burned Jed, yeah. they burned Jed Clampett's house. I mean, Jed Clampett. <laughs> you hear me say that? They burned Jed's <laughs> house down. Um, and, and, uh, uh and, uh, to, after he kills off Gage, right? Um, well, so yeah. what they did is the, they rented the house that the characters are living in, and they actually built a facade around another house to look like Judd's house, and they burnt the facade oh. down without burning the house down. That's actually how they did it. And oh, I thought, that's so it, cool. That is cool, isn't it? I was like, I was reading I that today. I think that's great, like, yeah. Wow. I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. So I will say there's a lot of cleverness going on in Pet Cemetery, especially if you um, sure. research it and, you know, below the surface. I guess I think it's a lot of concepts that just don't quite gel together. I, I don't know what is missing. I actually think it might be the acting that throws me off the most in the film. 
Um, I wish there was more. I just wish there was more. Maybe they will fix this issue in the remake. Maybe there will be that something, you know, because I felt the same way about yeah. the It miniseries, too. The It miniseries was good, but the, especially the last half of it was missing something, right? Something wasn't quite there, right. you know, and I, I never could quite. And I'm not just meaning the, uh, the spider monster at the end, you know, whatever oh, yeah. spider monster. I like spiders. I like she lobs. So I'm okay with spider monsters, but, uh, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm, so I'm wondering if I'll have, I'm wondering if it's going to be the same way with the it remake in October, you know, so, uh, a lot to think about cause it's a big year for Stephen King. Again, he doesn't ever die. Does he? No, nope. no. The King he, keeps he, coming, sticking around forever. I, I saw that Cell movie, and I thought that was it. I, I was really – I liked the book, by the way. I absolutely thought the book Cell was pretty fun and a pretty good read. The movie was awful, dreadful, dreadful movie. And I was like, that it for Stephen King? Did he peek out? No. There's a generation of four, 35 to 40-year-olds that saw his 80s movies geeks like us and they're making they're remaking his films right now uh the guy who's yeah. going to do uh Suspiria who did Suspiria was actually slated to do Pet Cemetery first uh so you know clearly oh, he, right. he yeah clearly he knows what he's doing uh you know you whether you like the Suspiria movie or not uh it's a competent film you can't say it's not yeah, well made. Right. It's a well made movie. Uh, you know, I actually think Very it's true. pretty darn good. But uh, you know, a lot of people agree. You know, so uh, and and then the the guys who are doing Cemetery now are huge Stephen King fans and have a, a pretty decent solid history of horror behind them, right? Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, we'll see uh, if the movie is worth it. I I I wish I, if I had to rate it quality of film i would probably give it uh the pet, original pet cemetery i would give it a 6.8 that's pretty decent that's fair uh, you know um i give children of the corn uh i give Kimmel the corn a 7.5 merely because it gets a a bump from just entertainment value because it's not, it's not necessarily it's a great film but it's highly entertaining like super entertaining <laughs> you know, I enjoy I yeah. enjoyed watching that movie. Whether it was good or not is another story. I I'm not sure it is. I mean, the ending kind of falls apart once the sparkly blob thing. But I mean, if you're a Stephen King fan, you're gonna like both these movies. Uh, and they definitely need to be watched by horror fans, especially of our generation. I should have watched it sooner. I know it. We all know it. That's why I created Evil okay. Nerd so I could watch give me myself an excuse to watch these movies uh so i i i'm thinking about going to see the remake i it's not as high on my list as other films i still need to go see us which i'm going to take care of this weekend i want to take care of shazam and oh my god there's so many things i need to see in the theaters right now oh but uh you know and, and of so course much. end game end game is coming and blew out the internet i got my uh, you tickets know. today Oh, you did. 22-hour marathon. I'm, I'm really on the fence. Do I want to do this again or what? Oh, well, my God. Give us, well, you did You did the last one, right? I did the last one, and it nearly killed me. That was 32 freaking hours. Yeah, but this that was a game and a half. 
But now we have a new branded name for this. It's called the Avengers Saga. Right? Oh, that's that's true. oh I that's love true. it. Yeah, that that they've just branded this as because this is the last of these films. They're calling it. Yeah, but the a last saga. time I didn't have to make my way through an Ant Man film. <laughs> I like the Ant Man movie, but I'm not a Marvel oh, fan, so you oh, know. Stop. So all right. Please. So we don't know what. So do I get? I have I now restored my, my geek cred. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I I we we have. To talk about, I I I'm glad that I restored my nerd cred here. But Steve, we got a couple of nerd cred things we need to uh, address before we're off air tonight, because um, we found oh, out yeah. we found out in on the last episode, of sexy witches, that you were not a fan of Cassandra Peterson at all, at all before you went That's to um, Cincinnati whorehouse, Cincinnati. So he hasn't. Were you on air when that happened, Aaron? Did you hear that no, part of no. it? Yeah, no, I, missed, I think that was right before he came on. Yeah, you might have missed I it. I just always had a. Uh... Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was no, just saying. Ask. Go ahead. You ask away. Ask away. Ask away. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay. Uh, I, I was just explaining that, you know. Uh, one of the things Elizabeth had said before I went to Whorehound was leave yourself open to new experiences, you know, set a schedule, but allow that schedule to be fluid. So I found myself with an opening. I was going to go do something else, but for some reason I went to the Cassandra Peterson panel and um, I uh, have never really um, given her a chance because of um, right. um, my my accusations. Okay, yeah, because of my Nermi's uh, vampire's accusations towards her right, and all that, right. and it kind of you heard me rig the right. same bell. So that, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but um, I after the panel, uh, I just walked away um, feeling completely different, and that I had misjudged someone that I didn't know or understand, and that that wasn't fair, and that I needed to watch her work. So yeah, so um, uh, pretty soon I don't. I think we we were talking about maybe the July. I, mean, I don't know what we're doing from. Let's see, it's March. We're in April, so we'll need a May episode. I still haven't figured out. May right. is going to be Twin Peaks. Um. So and then June is going to be a western. So yeah, we're going right. to. And I think it's and that western, episode baby. is going to be a. I think, as we speak. Yay! Well, yeah, absolutely. Second, yeah. Just watched episode uh, four last night with a wife. I believe we're going to pull our – the Western, we're going to pull each other's geek card on that. We're going to pull one each <laughs> on the Western episode because there will be oh, – it'll be hard to pull my card on this one. Uh, but there is one blatant, huge Western on my on my shame list that I have never seen from beginning to end. So – and uh, so I could drop it now or we could talk about it later. Tombstone. but I can, no, oh God, no! Come on, oh God! If I, I would shoot myself if I hadn't seen Tombstone. Okay, I mean, come on, it's Val Kilmer and Sam Elliott. Oh my God, no, 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 no. Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah, right, right. No, no, no. Okay, no. Fair enough. Perish the thought. Perish the. No, I, you ready? It's yeah. the wild, yeah. the wild bunch. Oh, oh my God! You have ball. to see that. Okay. Oh my I God. my yeah, dad so was good. a huge Western fan, but was not a huge fan of Peck and Paw. So Wild Bunch barely got play in my house. I saw who 
some of it, but I can't tell you what it's about other than it's like, you know, Magnificent Seven with a lot more violence. Um, you yeah, know, that's so. cool. yep, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's also the movie I was going to recommend Erin Marie to watch because she does not like Westerns, but I figured Peck and Paw, because I have seen it like Straw Dogs, you know, I've seen other Peck and Paw movies, yeah. uh, you know, I just haven't seen Wild Bunch. So I was thinking I'd do Wild Bunch, but I might want to do one more because that one's too easy. I need to knock that one off the list. I mean, I should have already done it. Uh, that's just embarrassing. I should sh- I should re- shame bell myself on that one. I actually am gonna shame bell myself on that one. You know what oh, no. is on my list for the things that I have to conquer for westerns? I think I told you already offline. Uh, I'm I'm gonna attempt to get all the way through El Topo. That's right. Oh. And I was gonna rewatch El Topo just for the hell of it because I love El Topo. Uh, Dear God, what <laughs> that, a bizarre. Weird, freaking! Oh my God! Do, do, do I just see Adam before or during the, the film? Just tell me. It just was, let me know. My number one coveted movie for years was El Topo because it oh had a VHS release that was super limited, and it came out, and then this lawsuit came down, and you could not get it for years, years. I kept telling people, there's this fantastic hmm. Italian weirdo. My dad loved that movie. My dad and I watched that movie really? together. We loved it. Yes, he loved that movie. And we could, and for years, you couldn't find it. it. Like It was just like Roger Ebert then did a special episode where he goes, you can't get this movie. You should see this movie. I was like, El Topo, oh <laughs> You know, even he was looking for it. You know, nobody could. So El Topo is a good one to rewatch. I need to rewatch a bunch of Doronowski films. I need to watch Santa Segree. I have never seen King of the Mountain. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's a few, there's, there's a few movies in there I need to revisit of his, uh, you know, uh, but, um, also, uh, uh, Steve, are you still watching Vikings or have you started Vikings yet? Oh, no, I need to start Vikings. Thank you. for. Why don't you start Vikings? Vikings. Why don't you watch Vikings and we'll make that our, our next episode, our our end of the month, okay, well, the, uh, either the end of the April or beginning of May, um, right before uh, the Madness Rule Post, we'll do an episode, and I will do, I'll have Twin Peaks finished, hopefully, and you'll have Vikings done, which is, you could actually get it done. I think you can do it. I think you I can, can do, do it in time. You can, can binge it. it. it, it, it they're not that long, because there's a lot of commercials on History Channel, so they're only like 40 minutes without the commercials, so you should be okay. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. it's not like Twin Peaks, which are long. Uh, oh my God, the first episode, yeah, yeah, season two, is like that. an hour and a half. Uh, so, um, so there, we'll do that. So we'll do that. We'll try. We'll aim that for right around Crypticon Seattle, right before I go to, because that's a good, you know, pagan, you know, Beltane kind of thing. You know, kind of yeah. overlaps. There's some overlap there. You know. Um, and I was also and that, and then we'll, that'll be a double episode. And then in June we'll do uh, westerns, and I'll do Wild Bunch, and we'll talk about what you're gonna do. And we're also gonna do a, a sexy witch, Wild Robin of our favorite westerns on sexy witches. And I'm sure Steve, you'll want to join us for that because Young Guns of will course. be all over your your countdown. I'm sure, oh. right? Oh, it will. Oh, it will. It will. It will. It must. <laughs> Oh my God. It, it would be untrue to myself to not include it. Well, Steve is a oh, cowboy only on ask the you. steel horse he rides. 
he goes true. down in that's a blaze true. of glory. And, and exactly. you know. I do. You know, I have that on tape. <laughs> you know what? I have that oh. on tape right next to my coming out of our shells Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles tape. Awesome. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you. Uh, there is. A, let me ask you. You probably have already seen it, but let's ask you since we're talking about westerns. Have you seen the outlaw Josie Wales? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Great good. Stuff. So we don't have to pull your card on that because that would be like if you had no, done that, I would be on. In June, we will do uh, right before San Diego Comic Con, which by the way, Aaron and I will do a special hour-long episode just on San Diego, uh, right before the show. Awesome. Usually, uh, we about a week before, yeah. but we'll throw a repo nerds in there, and we'll. That's when you'll. Uh, there's Blobfest is around the beginning of July, and I'll be at. Um, I'll also be going to um, Days of the Dead in Indianapolis. So somewhere around there, we will do. We will drop the Elvira episode because she. I think she will be at Days of the Dead. She's often done Days of the Dead, so uh, you know. Cool. So right they, you know, that would be a good way of bringing that in. So um, and then you're assigned for that episode, Castle Freak, her version of it which is on uh, Cinema yeah. Macabre. But, however, Shout Factory seems to have suddenly a paywall that wasn't there before. I don't know what, what the fuck happened there. Yeah, I, have to I heard that just the other day, yeah. Yeah. They no, just, they went you know, uh, Joe Bob just uh, restarted up the uh, the last drive-in, and one and of the two phones said to Friday, Castle Freak. Oh, my I know. Was I was um, so excited. He did Castle Freak and Chud, which people were bitching about. I'm yeah. like, what? That's a great double feature. Are you kidding? I was totally happy. And apparently happy. he hates Chud. Well, it's not that yes, good. I mean, it's entertaining, I, but I it's not that good. I think he gave it two stars. He did only give it two stars. Yeah, he did stars. give he it two stars. He thinks it's dull. And to him, dull is the kiss of death. And I agree with him on that, actually. And it is it's okay, you know. And the shower scene also, he loses a half point. He did a whole tirade on, <laughs> how, on like, the, the death of the shower scene in uh, in, move, in horror films. And it's funny because when I wrote um, Karate Kid Massacre, my um, my karate 1980s uh, retro uh, spinoff horror slasher, uh, <laughs> I, I actually wrote a shower. I like I was I wrote a shower scene, and I was like so mad at myself for writing in a shower scene, but I had to. It demanded there be a shower scene, right? It, it, it just a slasher day, right. and I was like, oh, I gotta write a slasher. So I so. So Joe Bob knows that us women, yes, we do honor the shower scene, and we'll put naked girls in our films. We have no issues with that. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> sometimes the only well, way you can get the lead to take a shower, you know, is get her naked and take a shower, <laughs> you know. So, anyway, go ahead, Steve. Um, I just, Aaron, thank you for reminding me of my shameless plug, and that is that oh, yeah. uh, uh, 20... Yeah, my horror editor, uh, my boss, uh, um, Valerie, at 25 Years Later, uh, interviewed um, Joe Bob today on the phone. She messaged me after it was over. She was so excited, and uh, it's going to be published on Tuesday. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was, I thought, pretty exciting. So hopefully you can check it out. And, and uh, Aaron, you have right. one final uh, thing of, uh, of of a little bit of news. You had a special someone like your tweets today who was that oh yeah well i happened to do a lot of photos of cosplayers at wondercon and one young lady did a really nice representation of shadow moon's um dearly beloved uh who uh our our friend matt sweeney refers to as dead wife 
And uh, I said, oh, hey, yeah. dead wife. And uh, she was very thrilled that I recognized her. Apparently, not a lot of people did, but she did nice makeup, contacts for the red jacket. So I snapped a picture, posted it on Twitter along with the, the tag. Hey, I wonder if Neil Gaiman has seen someone cosplay dead wife at WonderCon. And both Neil and Orlando Jones liked the tweet. Yay! And uh, the young lady That's who played. So cool. Uh, the young, the young lady who cosplayed her saw my tweet and said, "Hey, it's me!" And so we're talking and everything, and it's very fun and cool. Yeah, it's so That's actually, awesome. you guys are doing so awesome. It makes me so happy to see that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm geeking out. Sorry. And this is Repo Nerd. We yeah. don't geek out here. We fix yeah. geeks. Uh, but anyway, so That's we're right. done for the yeah. night, guys. We got to go. Thank you for both being on. And uh, are you satisfied with my first watch answer, Steve, for Stephen King? I am, and I was actually um, um, I saw Pet Cemetery not that long ago, and I it was maybe right. I I didn't get around to rewatching Children of the Corn, which I'm going to now because it's been a while. But I totally am sadly agreeing with you on Pet Cemetery, and it bumped my childhood died a little when I watched it again. You know that you know just, I had. I thought I knew that movie. I, it just it has such a dear place for me, but it was just one of those things where I had to admit to myself, you know, it, it's it's just not that good of a movie. It's it does it is very interesting conceptually, and I do agree that all the Victor Pascal stuff still kicks ass, and Zelda's still scary. Oh. But it's just a movie full of smug people making really stupid choices. Like, I mean, that's all it is. It just really is. So, yeah, it's just – and it's not it's not directed very well. And, they, and you're right, and the screenplay is full of problems. And, and it's just so connect the dots. Uh, King, and you can – I guess that's what you said a problem with King. And so I guess he has this thing where he's like, all right, well, I've got this plot point and this plot point in my novel, so got to get that in. So – yeah, it's it it doesn't hold up. So I actually would rather watch Pet Cemetery two just to see Clancy Brown go off the rails for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's always entertaining. So, but yeah. you know, I yeah. but I still think it deserves its place in horrordom. And 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 I yeah. like I said, you know, it, it it and you know, remember those feelings. You know, the feeling I felt for Star Wars the first time I saw it when I was four years old. I'll never forget that an entire life. Do I watch right. Star Wars the same way I did then? No, not possible. No. Does that matter to me? No, it doesn't. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's still a new hope, and a new hope, and and Luke looking at the sunset is always going to have a dark, a, a special place in my heart, right? So you know, it's always. all good, <laughs> always. So we'll yeah. be back in the end of this month or the beginning of May, and I'm going to have a lot of things to do on both sexy witches and reborners. So thank you guys, and by the way. Final madness theme hint of the night. We've been talking about Stephen King. He's Uh-oh. going to play a major, major role in this year's madness. Now, Pet Cemetery is a good example. While both Ooh. Pet Cemeteries will get bonus points, only the original is an automatic triple bonus. Mm. So is the sequel. That's all I'm going to say for right now. Oh, I can't answer. You can't answer. Okay. All right. 
Okay. Well, that's just a good hint. Just keep looking for madness hints. I'll put it under hashtag the madness hashtag theme hint. You'll see them on my profile on the um, some of the sometimes on Repo Nerds and Sexy Witches pages, and you'll definitely see it on the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness Group page. Which, if you want to know what that's about. In one month, we will have the announcement for the theme for the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness. Still about six months to Halloween. I am now opening officially Judge Hunt. Yeah, what is the Judge Hunt? This is the Judge Hunt. We are doing judge recruitment time. We will be looking for four to six people to help with the madness. Judges, it, judging is the hardest part of the madness in many ways, but it also be the most fun. If you're a fan, if you're a fan of Stephen King, you'll definitely want to talk to me about this year's madness. But there's more to it than that. It's crazy and insane and surreal. So thank you all for Repo Nerds. We are going to leave tonight. Speaking of Stephen King and the Stand, uh, it turns out that one of my favorite songs of all time. Ride the Lightning by Metallica was directly influenced oh, from yeah. a line from the book The Stand. Who knew? Oh. Kirk Hammett said this a few years back. Oh. So we're going to leave you with some old school 80s metal because we've been talking 80s movies and Stephen King, and it just felt like a good out. So oh. good night, all. We'll see you in a couple weeks on Rebo Nerds and on Sexy Witches. Thank you, all. Good night. 